Hi, this is Chelsea Vale. You have found the Whole Heart Podcast, a podcast for conscious parents who want to do things differently. Parenting the Whole Heart Way is about love, connection, play, and raising our children naturally. It can get, at times, a little bit crunchy. Let's jump in. A mother reached out to me today on social media with a question about sexuality and not just sexuality in um, teenagers, right? That's something that um, I don't really want to dive into on this podcast quite yet because that's a really hairy subject, but sexuality in our young kids. Um, When our kids are really little, they do a lot of um, exploratory play either with themselves or their siblings or with other kids that they're around. And that's totally normal, totally natural. Um, if we really want to dive into the theories behind it, Freud has a ton of, of work and lectures on um, sexuality in young kids. In fact, his stages of development are all sexual in nature because we're very sexual beings. And ignoring our sexuality is ignoring an entire part of self. Our society, our culture, and by that I mean America, America culture, sexuality is very taboo. We are light years behind the rest of the world in a lot of ways. We've made sex something that you're really not supposed to talk about. But if you look at um, sexuality and sexual discovery in a lot of other cultures and centuries ago, it was something to be celebrated, not something that was taboo. And it's a part of self. It's a part of development. Now, that being said, we don't want to deny it. We don't want it to also become something that's so um, crazy out in the open that our child can't really fit in with their with their friends and family and they're doing things that aren't socially acceptable, right? So that's the whole goal is we want to learn how do we talk to our kids about their sexuality and how do we get them to understand what they're doing is not necessarily wrong, but in you know certain environments it's not acceptable and maybe in front of other people. So there's a couple of different ways to do this. First of all, when your kids are really, really, really little, and by that I mean a year old, 18 months, two, and they just kind of their hands in their pants all the time, it's, you know, really wise not to overreact or say things like that's gross or shame them or get your hands out of there, that kind of thing. If you have it on your face, your read of disapproval, then they won't feel comfortable coming to you and talking to you as things develop and progress over time. We want to be very neutral, right? We want to play Switzerland when it comes to sex because we want sex to always be something that can be talked about because if it's not handled correctly, um, it can be dangerous, right? Dangerous physically, dangerous socially, emotionally, mentally, because again, it is such a deep part of self. Sexuality is so important to have open, honest conversations with yourself and with your spouse and partners and friends and um, and even your kids. So it's important just to stay neutral. Hands stay in your lap. You can hold mommy's hand. Hands don't belong in your pants at the restaurant. I'll read a story as long as your hands are not in your pants. Those are all things that you can say, but don't shame them. That's when they're really little. As they get a little bit bigger, age three and four, they start to play little games, right? They start to play doctor and they start to play like truth or dare. They want to, you know, kiss their friend. Like my boys are twins. They do this thing called taco tongue and they'll make their tongues like little tacos and they want to touch and they giggle like crazy. It's not sexual, because they're, you know, they're twins. They don't know enough. They don't know about sex. They don't know to be sexual. They just don't feel silly. And so I don't really make it a big deal. I just always say, you guys are silly, but we don't kiss our brothers, you know, keep, you know, playing in the tub or I'll kind of redirect them towards something else. I might even snap a picture because it's cute, right? I just want them to know that it's not something that needs to be done in public. And that's kind of the goal of this, right? Is to let our kids know what you're doing is okay, 
but there are certain places that it's not okay in front of certain people. It's not okay, but you don't want them to feel that there is any shame in what they're doing. So with this particular child that this mother um, wanted, you know, was telling me about or sharing with me about, um, he tends to get aroused very easily. That's not uncommon, right? Boys especially, okay, their arousal is obvious. You don't know when a little girl is aroused. They get aroused the same because boys and girls are both just as fluid. There's just not the outward display of it. You know, little boys, if you don't have boys, you don't really know this, um, but little boys get aroused even as babies, right? But it's not a sexual arousal. It's a physical arousal. And so it's not necessarily an indication that your child is going to be like a sex addict or a sex fiend or, you know, maybe that they're gay because they, you know, got aroused in the sandbox playing with another little boy. So don't make it a bigger deal than it really is because that's the kind of stuff that makes sexuality conversations, you know, with your child and about your child very uncomfortable is when you assume all of these different things about them. You assume, you know, their sexuality, you assume that they're going to struggle with this, that, or the other. We can't flash forward because at this young age, there is so much life to be lived. There are going to be so many experiences and conversations and life lessons learned that are going to impact who your child becomes. They're not done yet, right? They're just three or four. So we don't want to overreact to anything. But they do start to play these little games at these early stages. But we want to make sure that, you know, we let them know, hey, that game was really fun for you, but it might not have been fun for your friend. Your friend might have felt uncomfortable. I wonder if there's another game that you guys could play and just kind of redirect them, you know, into other things. And then maybe when your child is, you know, on their own, you might say, I know what you were doing earlier with your hand. I know that felt good to you and that's okay. But there are things that you do by yourself in your private life. And there are things that you do with other people. This is not those that, something that you do with other people, right? Um, and letting them know that what you're doing is okay. It's okay that it feels good. And if you if you want to get even further into it, like you know, what philosophy or what theory am I following here? Part of this would be just play therapy, understanding of children, and how your words um, are powerful, and how to connect with children in a neutral way so that they listen and they don't feel shame, but they feel connected with. And the the beauty of that is empathy. So if you notice, I said, I know that felt good to you. That's empathizing. Okay, right? I get it. It feels good. But, and then you set the limit, right? That's the ACT limit setting I've talked about in some other episodes. Acknowledge the feeling, communicate the limit, target the alternative, right? I know it feels good to do that with your hand and do that to yourself. I know that feels good. But this is not something you do in front of other people. Could you find something else that feels good or you redirect them towards something else? That's ACT limit setting. Acknowledge the feeling, communicate the limit, target the alternative. Always connecting with your child, never shaming, preserving the parent-child relationship and allowing the lines of communication to remain open. So that's those those stages. So at the very beginning, they just got hands in their pants. That's that, you know, what feels good in my mouth, what feels good in my hand, what feels good in my genitals. That's just exploring the body when they're itty-bitty there. Maybe a year old, 18 month, two, three and four, they kind of start to explore other people's bodies. It feels funny to be touched. It feels funny when I touch you. Why is that? Why do you why does your body look different than my body? Those are those kinds of games. They start to notice that little girls look different than little boys. They pay more attention to one another in the bathrooms and things like this. By five, you start to notice little girls putting shorts on under their their skirts or their dresses and things like that, that, you know, kind of embarrassed about the body or not wanting everyone to see you in your underwear. That kind of starts to happen right about now. Um, But when our kids are a little bit bigger, it's okay to maybe try some storytelling because um, they can connect with stories. They can connect with characters. 
And, you know, if you sit them down and have like a big lecture with them, they're probably going to turn you off or tune you out. They won't really be listening to your words and it probably won't make as much sense to them without teaching them something you weren't ready for them to learn yet, right? So imagine I take a six-year-old and I sit them down in a chair and I say, you know what you were doing with your hand? You spit on your hand and that could come off as inappropriate. That's what adults do. Whatever word choice you choose there, that six-year-old is now going, why do adults wet their hand before they touch themselves, right? Um, Which is not what we want them to do. Whatever your words were, whatever the situation was, um, you know, you don't want to tell a little girl um, what you're doing is sexual. That's for adult women to do because then you've just taught them something that you weren't ready for them to learn. Just like when they ask you about where do babies come from? Some people give this really big, long, lengthy explanation and um, the kid's not quite ready for it, but then it sparks a whole heap of curiosity and exploration and, and them trying to figure out what exactly is it that everyone's hiding from me, right? And so you spark this curiosity and you know, sort of steer them towards more sexual exploration versus if you just kind of leave it at what you're doing feels good, it's not, you know, to be done here. That's for your private life. And then you just kind of stay neutral about it. Don't make it a bigger deal than, it, you know, than it really is. But if you try storytelling, that's another way to get the kid to connect with something without making them feel, um, you know, like you're pointing the finger at them like you did something wrong, right? Kids connect with stories. So, for example, you tell the story about the, the giraffe that wanted to, you know, hang its bras on the trees in the jungle. And you might get a little laugh from a six-year-old, especially a little boy or something. They might giggle, why would he hang his bras? Giraffes wear bras, you know, or, or his stockings or, you know, whatever you, you want to say. And then, you know, maybe there was a hippo. The hippo decided that she wanted to bathe with the monkeys, right? Or the monkeys were, you know, taking nits out of each other's hair um, in the middle of, of the restaurant, right? Everybody was eating the hippos and the monkeys and the crocodiles and uh, giraffes. They were all eating and the monkeys just sat right there in the middle of the table and started picking at each other and picking all the nits out. That's gross. That spreads germs, right? But you tell these kind of stories and you, you might want to think it through. Think through the types of stories that you're going to tell, but mention things that are done in private. You're going to get a giggle. You're going to get a connection. The child is going to see, oh, yeah, I get it. There are some things that we don't do in front of other people. They make the connection naturally. And you could even share a story of yourself whenever that's done. You know, there are things that I do in my private life, right? I love to take a bubble bath. I love to drink wine and I love to write in my diary, but I would be so embarrassed if somebody knew that I did that. That's my private life. Sometimes I talk to special people about that. I might talk to your father about that, or I might talk to my best friend about that, but that's not something I tell everybody. And that's not something I want everyone to see. I mean, oh my goodness, what if, and maybe your boss, right? What if, what if mommy's boss saw me in the bathtub and you might get a little chuckle or a little giggle and they start to realize, oh, okay, there's privacy, there's modesty, they're socially acceptable things. And as they develop, as they grow, as they make these connections, they'll realize what I'm doing is not socially acceptable. It's not something I want other people to see me do, right? But you don't want to shame them. That is the most important thing. You also don't want to assume about them. You don't want to um, give too much attention. What I always tell people is you want to give lots of attention to what's good, be neutral to what's bad, right? And that's that applies to a lot of different things in our children's life, whether it's you know sex, drugs, or rock and roll, whatever it is. Uh, we want to stay lots of attention towards the good, 
not to attention at all for the bad. Because even when we give negative attention, it still provides enough of a rise that leads our children towards that thing. For example, when you come home, let's say your child comes home from school and they've got a report card and it's all A's, right? All like really high A's. And then there's like one F. Where does your mind go? The F, right? And you get so flustered and frustrated and you start, I can't believe you got this F. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to focus on this class and we're going to get this up to an A. Let's sit down. Let's have an action plan. Yada, 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 yada. But you didn't focus on the A's. That's where the value is. That's where the strength is, the A, right? So with your child in this specific scenario, focus on everything else they're doing that's wonderful and fantastic, right? Everything else that's great. And then kind of stay neutral with the behavior that's not so great. Because if you give it too much energy, too much attention, um, you're going to probably cause it to be um, increase in prevalence and increase in um, significance if you start to give it more energy. So stay neutral to it redirect, empathize, don't shame, but stay neutral, right? Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Focus on the donut, not the whole. Nobody, if I gave them a chocolate cake donut covered in icing with a bunch of sprinkles on it, if I gave it to them would say, there's a hole in mine. Focus on the donut, not the whole. With your children, it's the same thing. Try to spend your energy and your attention and focus on everything about them that's wonderful and great, lots of attention, lots of award, lots of affection and love and, um, you know, acknowledging and noticing great things about them. And then sometimes those other behaviors that they're doing kind of just disappear on their own because they are naturally drawn towards what am I doing that's right? What am I doing that's good? I'm not getting a rise out of anybody when I do this. Um, and they, you know, start to pick up on the other cues that this is not something that is um, respected or enjoyed that you do, but we enjoy everything else that you do. Redirect the child towards things, lots of attention towards what's good and trust in their development. Trust that everything that they do has a purpose to who they're going to become. There's a lot of things that are developmental, but just because it's developmental doesn't mean ignore it. We just don't want to give it too much attention. Um, You know, we don't want to like rush them into a psychologist's office or a doctor or anything like that because that makes them feel weird. And then they internalize it. And then it kind of becomes part of their story in a negative way. And we don't want to do that. We want, again, just focus on the donut. Redirect what's negative. Redirect that hole, right? But focus on the donut and give all of your attention, all of your energy towards what's good. Always empathize, never shame. There was a part in today's episode that when I re-listened to it, it sounded as though I was um, forming an opinion on something when I mentioned that you wouldn't want to assume that your child was gay. It almost sounded as if that's something that I wouldn't approve of, but I giggled or I kind of laughed when I said that because it would be strange to assume a child's sexuality at an early age. So I just want to clarify that that, if you heard that tone in my voice, it wasn't that there's anything wrong with you know, being gay or being bi or being transgendered or identifying in any other way. I don't have any opinions on anyone's sexuality, but it would be really kind of silly to assume you know a child's sexuality at age four. And I wasn't sure that I was really clear about that. So I just wanted to... Um, reiterate that that's what the tone in my voice was implying is that it would be kind of crazy to think that, you know, just because my child got aroused when they were around one of their male friends or that my, you know, two little girls were playing doctor with each other, you it would be kind of silly to assume their sexuality because of this type of play and that it's very developmentally normal, very appropriate. 
um, with all sexes and all ages. And um, children are very sexually fluid, just like adults are sexually fluid. The stigma is only attached because of the society that we live in and the culture that we have. We have so many things that are taboo to discuss and taboo to feel. And there are so many people living their lives sort of in the closet and so forth. I don't just mean the closet as um, as being gay or straight or anything like that. I mean, just our private lives are so hushed because um, our society has um, really defined what normal looks like and what the normal type of life is, normal relationship, normal sexuality. We've given so many different terms and labels and lines um, for people to live by. And so that's really what that was about is that as our children are developing, we really just want to allow them to develop into who they are going to become and embrace them and love them and accept them for who they are, but not make any assumptions about them um, as they get older. Really let them tell us who they are, not assume that we know what their life is going to live like or, or sorry, what their life is going to be like or how they're going to live and recognizing that um, what we see for our children and their happiness in their future might be very different than what they see for themselves in the life that they choose to live. But um, happiness is really found when our children are living an authentic self and being authentic um, to others and, and living authentically all around the board, right? That's true happiness. So I just wanted to go back and reiterate um, and be sure that I was being very clear um, about that, that sexuality and that assumptions on our children, that that's what my tone was about. Um, it has not that I have an opinion on anyone's sexuality. I want to be sure that I'm, I'm clear about that because I know, um, you know, in today's world, we can have sort of a knee jerk reaction to, to certain things that people say, but, um, my heart is always in the right place. And I want people to know that, um, I embrace all people and more than anything, I think that what we can do for our children is to model acceptance and empathy, um, and love of everyone of all different types. It's not just about sexuality, but races and gender and lifestyles and culture and religion, all of that. We don't have to condone it. We don't have to, um, believe in it, but we do have to love and accept that person and be open to it and um, be interested in learning about their journey and respecting them for a person. I think the only thing about a person we can judge is their actions, right? Good people and bad people, but we can't judge them based on um, their sexuality, their religion, their race, their culture, um, or how they identify um, you know, with their gender. I want to be sure that I'm, I'm clear about that. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope that you found something in it that you can take into your homes and communicate better with your children, your family, and your friends regarding our um, children's sexuality because it is a very sensitive thing that needs to be celebrated and honored, and um, open, honest discussions should be um, sexuality should be included in that as our children grow and develop because sexuality is such a very strong and important part of self. And if we don't acknowledge it and discuss it and, um, help our children figure out that aspect of self, we're denying such a, such an important part of who they are. You have been listening to Whole Heart Crunchy Parenting, a podcast for parents who want to do things differently. If you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe at Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcast. I'd also appreciate a follow on Instagram at Join Whole Heart. And if you'd like to support the podcast through a small donation, you can find our Patreon page at patreon.com slash wholeheart. Thank you for listening. Be well.